fellow citizens, our way of life, our very freedom came under attack in a series of deliberate and deadly terrorist acts. Several shots were fired as President Kennedy's motorcade passed through downtown Dallas. None of us will ever forget this day. Yet we go forward to defend freedom and all that is good and just in our world. This is just a thing, please. Oh, you're coming out of our Welcome to the Hagman Daily Show, weekdays 2 to 3 p.m. Eastern Time. And now your hosts, Joe Hagman and John Robertson. Hello and welcome to this Monday edition of the Hagman Daily Show. So glad to be here today. We got a whole lot to get into on this July 9th. 2018 edition and we're just going to jump right in john is going to be joining us momentarily uh he's actually uh working on the the schedule for the next few weeks as he has returned from his family reunion in colorado whole lot going on today we uh start with the supreme court pick president trump today will be announcing his pick on uh who he's nominating to replace justice kennedy to the supreme court live at 8 p.m. Central, 9 p.m. Eastern, uh, and he will be announcing this on the uh, on primetime TV. Now, I'm going to read from a Twitter feed here uh, from Donald Trump. I have long heard that the most important decision a U.S. president can make is the selection of a Supreme Court justice. We'll be announcing tonight at 9 p.m. So, we will know uh, as we are on air I'm about to bring on Peter Barry Chowka tonight on the Hagman Report, who he, President Trump, is going to be nominating. And it is a, a historic pick, as we've talked about in the past and uh, just in the in the last few days, that the this will give the conservative uh, a majority in the Supreme Court, a five to four majority, which is something that it has not had in a while, and that this will change the face of the Supreme Court for a generation, keeping it conservative. And don't think for a second that this is by any means uh, the end of the possibility of President Trump picking Supreme Court uh, justices. There is a possibility, even if he gets another term, that he could have up to two more nominations. Ruth Bader Ginsburg is obviously going to hold on as long as she can uh, at fighting what she deems is, is, you know, president Trump being racist, racist and a fascist. Uh, she has also said basically that the, the laws of the land are not the constitution. The laws of the land are what she deems uh, to be right and wrong through her uh, moral perspective. So she needs to go anyway. She should have been gone a long time ago. Uh, another piece of interesting news that I've seen now twice. I saw this yesterday, and then I'm seeing this again today. Hillary Clinton could be the uh, person who runs against Donald Trump in 2020. I mean, wouldn't this be the best Christmas gift that the Democrats could ever give to President Trump is to run Hillary again in 2020? Is she back? Talk emerges that Hillary Clinton is plotting her 2020 comeback and prepping to take on Donald Trump a second time. Clinton, 
has ramped up her public presence and fundraising appeals. She's never stopped. What do you mean ramped up? Then I'm reading this headlines here. Uh, she has been outspoken about President Trump's zero-tolerance immigration policy and has raised $1.5 million for various groups. Now, I'd like to see um, who those groups are and actually how much of that $1.5 million went to those groups. Uh, my bet is she's pocketed about over a million of that $1.5 million. Anyway... Clinton's next scheduled public appearance is the third annual OzFest that takes place July 21st and 22nd in Central Park, Ozzy Fest, O-Z-Y. Multiple Democrats have stoked the 2020 speculation fires with talk of, of challenging Trump in two years. And I don't know how many people saw this, uh, but somebody else who is attempting to throw their hat in the ring which would just be a blessing to the republicans is stormy daniels and her lawyer michael avenatti both have made statements on twitter stating their desire to run to fight trump in 2020 but hillary clinton you know for uh i, I can't even believe we're, we're seeing these headlines what it wasn't even six months ago that even the democrats three months ago the left was like Oh my gosh, Hillary, stop talking. Go away. Quit playing this victim. Every time she makes a public presence, you know, she gives a different reason as for why she lost the 2016 election. Everything from, uh, you know, misogyny to, uh, you know, racism to bigotry to uh, um, every excuse, Russian meddling. She has given every possible excuse as to why she didn't win. But it's never her fault. She never talks about you know, not campaigning in, in Michigan or Wisconsin or or in some of these flyover states. She doesn't talk about her own arrogance and, and her own uh, tone deafness when she is talking to people, how people just cringe when they hear Hillary Clinton's voice. But here we are, uh, you know, just a few months after the left begged Hillary Clinton to go away, they're now talking about the, the speculation and the chance that she could be running against President Trump in 2020. And I read a very interesting piece yesterday, I believe it was, that detailed how it would work out that she could actually uh, get the Democratic nomination because of her name recognition, because of, uh, you know, her uh, her first lady status or her husband being the president her being in the state because of her being. because of her blackmail file <laughs> yeah well john they're they're seriously i mean all these headlines in the last few days i'm reading about them attempting to possibly roll out hillary clinton in 2020 again and i said what a blessing wouldn't that be like the best christmas gift in the world for republicans bring it, baby bring it weekend at bernie's part two Weekend at Weekend at Bernie's Part Two Politics. Yeah. yeah, could you imagine? I mean, seriously, it, it would be uh, absolutely unbelievable if she ended up actually getting the nomination. But who? Again, this is, goes to the heart of what we've been talking about in the political uh, division and tensions and in, in the political world and domestically that we see is the fact that the Democratic Party has an identity crisis. They don't know who they are. They don't have a leader. They don't have any ideas. They don't have any uh, good ideas, at least to say uh, that that much. All their <laughs> ideas are for perversion, uh, abortion, illegal immigration, and, and basically pedophilia at this point and anything anti-Donald Trump. But Hillary well, they don't Clinton. have they don't have an agenda, Joe. The the, the DNC currently la now now look, the DNC's agenda 
you know, moving forward, which is really actually where historically moveon.org actually came from. It was the idea of moving forward off the Lewinsky scandal back in the Clinton era. Uh, but they've, they've always had an agenda. Now, now, now we could debate and be a pretty quick debate whether the agenda had any real, real merit to it at all. But but what I'm hearing you say, and I'm, I agree with you, is that they really have no they have no leadership. They're bereft of ideas, but they also have no agenda for America. They have no plan. All they have is we hate Donald Trump. Right. That is all they have. And, uh, you know, Hillary Clinton's biggest beef as of late is to piggyback off of the manufactured crisis of the children being separated from their parents at the border. But if we remember, President Trump signed an executive order uh, so that the parents would the, the parents that actually came with their children and didn't send them alone uh, would actually not be separated from them. But we know that out of the 12,000 plus children that came across the border last year, 10,000 of them came without their parents, without adults. Many of them came with human sex traffickers. And this is one thing that President Trump has fought very hard for is to get a border wall. And we all agree that the wall is, uh, you know, symbolic more so in nature. It needs to be a multi-layered type of security where we have the human side, we have the technological side, we have the physical barrier side, uh, you know, ground penetrating radar. You, these people are going to find ways to get into the countries, whether they're digging tunnels. I don't know if you saw this story the other day, John. There was a uh, a drone full of methamphetamine that that was trying to be smuggled across the border with these drones and they crashed right on the border and border agents uh, were able to confiscate the, the drugs, but uh, between tunnels and uh, misdirection and all, there's a million different ways to smuggle people across the border. Now but here's a question. If those, if, if those uh, given border patrol agents were on hour number 13 or 14 in the overtime uh, department, I wonder if that drone landed at an opportune time. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Uh, I just saw sorry, the headline. Sorry, I didn't hold on, the that, that's not a swipe. That's not a swipe at the Border Patrol. That's just John Robertson with an off-color joke on the Monday Daily Show. Well, yeah, I uh, I didn't. I just read the headline. I didn't get a chance to read the whole story. But uh, you know, it, it the border security is a national security issue, and we've talked about this ad nauseum. The left thinks that enforcing immigration law is is Naziistic in its uh, in its uh, policy and mindset, which is completely. You know, just just BS crazy uh, in my mind. We need a secure any country historically, even today, that does not have a secure border uh, runs the risk of, of invasion. I mean, there's so many problems with having open borders and, the, and that mindset of open borders. But, you know, the left doesn't care. It's anything despite the president. It's anything despite his agenda and what his supporters uh, have said as far as what they want. And we saw over the weekend, there was a few polls and I don't put any trust in the polls, but what they said was uh, the overwhelming majority of people of the American people support enforcing a tougher enforcement of immigration laws and tougher immigration laws. So despite what the media says, despite what, you know, the Brian Stelters and the uh, uh, Chris Cuomo's and, you know, the Mika Brzezinski's. Hey, careful, and the careful, with the, careful with the Stelter now. Okay, are, now you're talking about my guy. They are in the majority. I saw a great meme on a, a Twitter feed from uh, President Trump made some announcement on Twitter the other day or just a r random tweet. And it was a picture of an iceberg and they showed what uh, how much of the iceberg was actually above water and that the iceberg was probably, you know, 30 times bigger underwater. 
And the caption was at the top, it said, uh, this is what the media wants you to believe. How many people uh, support President Trump? And then underneath where it showed, you know, 95% of the actual uh, iceberg, it says this is the actual support of President Trump uh, versus what the media wants you to believe is really there, which is minuscule. And that's very true. Uh, And Mark Dice did a great video today highlighting Brian Stelter and his Aspen Institute roundtable discussion that they got into over the weekend. John, I don't know if you were able to see uh, the clips about this. uh, Oh, I know. I know what I'm doing at about 1.30 p.m. Eastern today. But, yeah, we can even play part of this uh, Mark Dice video if you want, because it's it's pretty good uh, where it's titled They Don't Have a Clue. Uh, let's let's do this. Let's listen to to the beginning of this. Now I know um, if I play yeah, this video, up with some dice, man. Mark, Mark Dice is he's always good on a Monday. Let's 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 get going there, with a little bit of humor be... and uh, and then what we'll do, Joe, is a little bit of housekeeping because a number of our friends have been busy over the weekend and we've got some breaking news from Sawman and from Keith Hansen uh, as well. And there uh, there might be some profanity in this, so we're not going to put the show on YouTube just because we're playing a clip from this. But this is a seven and a half minute video, and I have not watched the whole thing, but the part with Brian Stelter is in the first few minutes. So we're going to at least listen to the first two, two and a half minutes of this. Uh, So, again, there might be foul language in this. I don't remember, but here we go. Liberal journalists just met at the Aspen Institute to think tank to talk about why the American people just don't trust them anymore. And here's what CNN's Brian Stelter came up with. Uh, Why is this a moment that we should be so concerned about? Because the most powerful people in the world are trying to destroy our news organizations. They are, I mean, the president is trying to destroy our news organizations. Um, that has never happened in our nation's history as far as I'm aware. I think you're doing a pretty good job of that yourself, Brian. President Trump is poisoning the American people, specifically a subset of the American people that has been infected by the poison. It is getting worse every day. And we're going to reckon with the consequences for decades. The president's poisoning us, he says. Of course, they're projecting again. It's the liberals who are infected with the liberal pathogen or Trump derangement syndrome or something. You know, I don't mean to be the pessimist. Uh, I actually, some days I'm very optimistic. I wake up glass half full a lot of days. And I think Trump's pretty weak right now. And, uh, and we're going to get through this. And it's an aberration. Other days I wake up and I think, how are we going to win people back? Uh, every single day, he's beating the you-know-what out of the press. Not just CNN, but many, many outlets tarring the nation's news media, along with other institutions. How are they going to win viewers back, he says. Of course, it's President Trump's fault that they're hemorrhaging viewers and have no credibility. Here's Brian Stelter two years ago, and about 100 pounds lighter, saying that an employee at the Fox News Channel once dated him with the secret goal of right. actually Let's spying on him. Let's stop it there. Uh, there was another point. There was another <laughs> well, okay, part. Okay, okay, okay. Where do we um, even start, Joe? First of all, well, there was a question. A lady, I want to go fast forward to this part here. There was a lady who asked him a question. Okay. Um, in this talk, and she here here's the part right here where this question is posed to uh, uh, Stelter about the, their, their constant Trump coverage. They are destroyed. Hashtag Fight Club. Hashtag Basta. <laughs> Here's Brian Stelter getting pressed about why CNN only complains about Trump 24-7 when there's so much actual news happening around the world. Hi, I'm Pat. I'm old enough to remember watching the news and seeing what was happening in the world. And that doesn't happen now for watching the news, whether or reading the papers or hearing the news on radio. 
I'm feeling as though the amount of time that's given to Trumpisms is so out of proportion. Is that something that is controlled by your superior forces that decide the timing, or is that there's some other way that we can start to discover what's happening in the rest of the world? Brian Stelter, like, don't, don't like me. me. No, I'm going to you. Uh, like, I don't speak for NPR. Brian doesn't speak for CNN. He does an admirable job as media critic there. But when you look at major news outlets, including your own, uh, is there a disproportionate diet? My God, if I go abroad and I watch CNN yeah. International, yeah. it's a different balance than on CNN prop, uh, US. I think Trump is the biggest story in the world, and I think Trump is about America. We are debating basic American values. Personally, I want to watch that 24 hours a day. I want the never-ending talk show about what we are as a country. I think what's at stake is so incredibly serious. This is a crisis, so we have to cover it that way. Um, but I think the broader answer to your question, if I may, is I think the internet changed everything 20 years ago. Changed everything, which means... Which means that a guy... All right, we'll stop it there. Notice how he didn't address whether it was him <laughs> who got to decide what content was put on his show or his network, or if it was as the, the question, the lady who answered he the question, her, her, their overlords. Uh, he did not address <laughs> that part of it, which I no, was, of course he was didn't, because, because Stelter, like all of the other uh, uh, news, fake news minions under corporate command can only do and say what their uh, revenue generators, that what their paymasters say that they can do and say. So that would come from places like Pfizer, Merck, Bayer, Visa, Chevrolet, and the CIA, to be frank, too. But, Joe, let's take let's have some fun with this for a minute because I made a few notes, okay? So, first of all, uh, God bless Pat, who, whoever this lady is who stood up and, uh, and asked, asked an honest, albeit, frankly, somewhat naive question as far as having any kind of media acumen goes. Uh, but it was an honest question. She, she just has obviously never spent any time in media. Uh, and I love what she said, the, um, given the, the amount of time given to Trumpisms, and Stelter, of course, responds that we're in a crisis. Well, listen, Stelter, we are in a cultural crisis that is being uh, amplify, amplified and promulgated by your organization, sir. And another, another thing I'd like to take issue with that moderator is that when you uh, sit at, at a roundtable, if I went on a roundtable tonight, let's say I went on a roundtable on the Josh Tolley show, every single word that comes out of my mouth may be my personal opinion, but you can bet your boots, Joe, that I'm sitting there representing the Hagman report. So that is that, that was pure uh, pablum. That was garbage. Uh, when you are a, a nationally recognized um, head uh, or not head of, but uh, part of uh, a major me uh, media outlet. You are re uh, representing that outlet. So that that was just that was that was a a honest question from a taxpayer that was answered with pure media pablum and spin. But there's a couple other really funny things here. First of all, Stelter says he he's he's a he's a guy. He says I I wake up many mornings uh, uh, with my, with the glass half full. And that got me thinking, Joe, glass half full of what? <laughs> Cause Stelter has obviously consumed the other half of what was ever, whatever was in that glass. He says that a subset of Americans have been poisoned. Okay. Uh, the last time I checked 62 million out of 330 million is not a subset. Uh, in fact, 
62 million, given that only about half the country votes, is called a political mandate. And lastly, uh, why is this a moment we should be concerned about? This is a moment that they should be concerned about because all of the hard work that CNN did back in the 1980s and early 1990s, particularly the Persian Gulf War, where they really planted their flag on the global news scene, has been swept into the dustbin based on the fake news crap that they pump out 24-7 today. CNN was the news network during the Gulf War that had, on their own roof in Atlanta, Georgia, set up a fake battle scene where they had two reporters on the roof of their CNN headquarters in Atlanta, Georgia, pretending they were covering the war in Iraq. I mean, that's how big yeah, of a joke. They, and they, and they pretended they, 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 they sat there laughing and they were putting their gas masks on. And it's just, it's just, uh, Joe, I'm glad you played the dice piece because it sets the tone for the week. It sets the tone for much of what we're going to talk about this week. Now we have no clue of Mondays on the Hagman daily show are always fun because guess what? Just like all of our listeners, we have no clue what's going to break at 4 p.m. Eastern today, and we have no clue what we're going to wake up to to the Drudge Report tomorrow. Uh, now, that being said, Joe, um, I want to give you the amount of time you need if you've got some – some. Uh, you, that was great opening commentary. If you've got a few uh, pieces you want to clean up, and then like I said, I've got some some pretty cool news from a couple of our friends that, that all of our listeners will recognize, but back to you. Yeah, just a, a few headlines. Just just from what that Stelter said, as you mentioned, you know, he says Trump is, is is attacking the media and poisoning the minds of America. If anything, he is sticking. He's stuck more to the Constitution and American values than any president we've I've seen in my lifetime. And it's the media, as you said, John, that are poisoning the mind of the American people. This week in media bias history. Uh, we there's a piece on Newsbusters. I like when they do this. They have this new section where they're talking about media bias history. And the article that they have today is this week in media bias history. Don't forget U.S. imperialism, genocide. If any cable news networks knows how to, to ruin a great American holiday, it's MSNBC on July 1st, 2012. Then host Melissa Harris Perry celebrated the 4th of July by reminding everyone of the country's imperialism and, gen and the genocide of slavery. And it goes on from there saying how the, the comparing the U.S. founding oh, fathers to terrorists and uh, on and on and on. But that is an interesting piece uh, just showing the, the constant media bias that we've seen over the last 10 years. But when you see stories like this, media praise is first male Miss Universe contestant. Uh, also, you know, is abortion <laughs> under attack? Uh, this is what uh, ABC hopes Democrats it is in can Columbus, use Ohio. Little can shout use, out to Coach Dave. Yeah, ABC hopes Democrats can use abortion to block President Trump's Supreme Court picks. While speculating who President Trump would nominate to the Supreme Court on Good Morning America, ABC co-host Robin Roberts and correspondent Terry Morin engaged in a brief political strategy session to advise Democrats on the best way to obstruct any pick for the high court. Anyway, they go on to say uh, basically that it's going to come down to abortion and that they, they need to do whatever they can to stop. They're targeting two Republican moderate women, Susan Collins of Maine and Lisa Murkowski of Alaska. And the key issue there is abortion. More than two generations of American women and men have now lived with the constitutional right to abortion. If the battle's on that ground, the Democrats might have a chance. And also in the news media, Tommy Lahren is under fire after calling a push 
to overturn Roe v. Wade, a huge mistake. And I don't know how many people saw this, but so-called conservative commentator Tommy Lauren made waves Saturday for her criticisms of conservative efforts to overturn Roe v. Wade via through the Supreme Court uh, nomination that is upcoming. And she goes on to say, pressing for a Supreme Court decision to overturn Roe v. Wade would be a huge mistake. Do we really want to fight for this, alienating Democrats, moderates, and libertarians to lose in the end anyway. That's a risk I don't think that's worth taking. And we didn't get well, too a, deep into a, this that's abortion That's a fine issue. Christian attitude from her. Right. But, John, even with a Republican uh, majority Supreme Court, what the most they could do is, is let states decides if they want to have uh, abortion legal or illegal illegal it's not like they're going to overturn roe v wade it will just get kicked back down to the state's issue uh if anything and then individual states will decide from there but absolutely that's a fight we want to have yeah i i couldn't agree with you more uh and, I, and i'm disappointed i don't really follow her career uh we uh, communicated on twitter a little bit back when i first got on twitter but but that was just uh, weeks, if not maybe a month or two before she got the gig at Fox. And then all of a sudden she just, she just, uh, I guess, I guess went too far up the media ladder, uh, to, uh, to deal with, uh, the, the lowly, uh, citizen journalists, reporters or producers. But, um, but, uh, I, I'm disappointed in, 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 in Tommy's remarks there. Uh, that's, that's, that's disconcerting, but, but Joe, um, a couple of things. First of all, you mentioned Newsbusters. Now, I want to give a shout out to a new gentleman that, that uh, we have been working with at the Hagman Report. His name is Eric Ciccone, and uh, he is an up-and-coming uh, publicist, definitely a sharp – he's a young man. Uh, I would I would say based uh, on the few conversations we've had on the phone, I would not put him uh, about a minute past 30 years old. And, uh, and he reps some great people. And we have, Joe, this Wednesday – uh, 730 to 8, we have our second reporter from the Media Research Center uh, joining us. And the, and the topic this Wednesday night is going to be that terrible beatdown uh, that happened early last week in front of Whataburger um, because uh, because this this uh, this gentleman had the audacity to again to to do what to wear a red ball cap. The red ball cap doesn't say, um, you know, uh, uh, hey, abortionists, it's coat hanger time. The red ball cap says "Make America Great Again," and I think Joe that in this in this selfie stick society that we're living in, the fact that people are being violently attacked for wearing a hat that simply states something that every American, be you Democrat, Green Party, Constitutionalist, whatever, we should all agree that we want to make America great again. So, shout out to Eric Ciccone, shout out to Newsbusters. Uh, again, the Hagman Report will be joined by Newsbusters this um, Wednesday night. And real quick, Joe, we've got two uh, really hot shows between now and then, and I want to give that to our listeners as well since it is Monday. Tonight, uh, we're going to run some news. Uh, we've got Gerald Salente from Trends Journal uh, joining us from 730 to 8. We have debut guest, uh, longtime contrarian uh, economic analyst Dave Janda. Uh, is going to spend an hour with us on the Hagman Report, and then, of course, our third hour with Peter Barry Chalka. And then tomorrow night is is also, if I if I may say so, uh, a show not to be missed. Uh, seven seven to seven thirty. It'll be classic news and commentary with uh, uh, Doug Hagman and Joe yourself. 
Uh, but 7.30 to 8, uh, I made contact last week with Brandon Strock. Now, if that name rings a bell, it should because Brandon is the uh, young man who fashioned the hashtag walkaway phenomenon on Twitter, which yeah. is actually proving to be one of the biggest hashtags in the whole history of Twitter. And, of course, that hashtag is being used primarily for 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 people uh, and, and this is where I will give some credibility to, to Tommy Laren's uh, commentary. I, what she meant, I believe, just having heard it, you know, first blush, what she was suggesting is when we look at the when we look at the hashtag walk away movement, that's a that's a, a hashtag used by liberals, uh, died in the wool Democrats, uh, Bernie Sanders supporters, uh, independents. Uh, all of whom have one thing in common for one reason or another, for one political point on the ideological scale, ideological scale, they decided to walk away. And what did they walk away from, Joe? They walked away from the DNC. They walked away from a lot of the garbage that the Soros money uh, pumps in our faces 24-7. And bad news, Stelter, my main man, my, my, my counterpart media analyst over at CNN, uh, they walked away. From your organization. So uh, Brandon Strzok tomorrow night, followed by Tracy Beans. There's so much. We've got so much catch up to do, uh, Joe, with what's been going on uh, regarding Spygate. So, of course, Tracy will come in and uh, and give us her expertise. And then we'll have Stan Deo in hour three. So some great shows coming up here in the next couple of days. Yeah, looking forward to those. Absolutely. You know, but back to this uh, the abortion debate, we see the uh, constant uh, you know, back and forth that this is a somehow it's a constitutional right. The left talks about abortion as though it, you know, the founding fathers had uh, ingrained it in the Bill of Rights in our Constitution. And, and in reality, it was judicial activism uh, that it was what uh, got Roe v. Wade legalized and the the progressive liberal push. Now, I don't have my Bible in front of me, but I'm going to have to uh, I'll have to grab one because I was reading in Ezekiel and in Jeremiah last week. And I highlighted some verses in Ezekiel, and I believe it was in Ezekiel 15 or 16, if I remember correctly. But it talks about the uh, Israel and how they would uh, murder babies in the womb and, and sacrifice them in a fire to Moloch. And how yep. that would happen again and how, he, how the Lord would even change the food uh, to be from ordinary food to where it would not give you the, nutri the proper nutrients anymore. And I read that on Hagman Report, that verse, and it was we were talking with Ted Brewer, I believe it was, which, you know, is directly related to what I believe is the whole GMO and the, you know, the glyphosate, the cancerous um, uh, chemicals that are in our foods and the processed foods that we eat and how much of a danger that is to our health. Also, with Time Bomb, we got some good feedback on oh, that. What interview a great interview that was, man. But. It's, I mean, from the Old Testament, if you if you go through and read the books of the Old Testament, God was very clear in the sins of Israel, more so than really any other nation. And he talks about how Israel even multiplied more so, uh, you know, the, the sins themselves, more so than any other heathen nation. But when you look at what the Lord's biggest beefs are, it was the... Uh, uh, the children, killing the children in the womb, sacrificing them to Moloch, and the worshiping of idols, and sacrificing of food to idols. Those were like the, some of the biggest, his biggest beefs back, back in the Old Testament. When you read all the Old Testament prophets, you see those in, in there so frequently. And we, as and this goes to another question, 
we don't have to address today, John, but I've been doing uh, a study as is America, uh, you know, mystery Babylon or, or modern day Babylon or the daughter of Babylon. Oh, I would it's, absolutely, like, it's like the question of our lifetime. Joe, I would say yes. Ahead. Yes, it is. There, there's no way around it. You look at the uh, powerful nations from history till today, from Babylon to the, the Medo-Persia empire to on and on and on, you know, to Rome. And then you go back to Nebuchadnezzar and the statue, the head of gold, uh, you know, the the uh, shoulders of silver, you know, the belly of brass, the legs yeah, of iron yep. representing the Roman Empire. And the, the last, uh, I guess you'd say, uh, the Roman Empire was the last great world empire. Then you have Britain uh, had, you know, for 100 or so years, 300 years, they had kind of a world empire. But never before have we seen a country as powerful and as rich as the United States. And when we're looking at prophecy and when we're looking at in Daniel and Revelation and that and that dream of Nebuchadnezzar, how could the United States not be a part of that? At least in the fact that it is, uh, you know, ushering in this this globalism and is the military uh, arm of, of this whole thing. So, yes, we're going to yes. have to have a more in-depth Bible study on that. Yes, we are. And I'll, t- I'll tell you what, Joe, give me a let me let me take about uh, we're, we're not even halfway through the show yet. Praise God. Uh, this is just going to be a shape up to be a great show uh, because so much is going on. I want to mention quickly to our, our listeners. Uh, I feel refreshed. Uh, I got to spend the weekend in Colorado Springs at an amazing place called Glen Erie. And that's spelled uh, G-L-E-N-E-Y-R-I-E, so spelled a little different than our hometown here, Joe. But uh, it's a, an amazing spiritual place. I'm telling you, when you when you got onto the actual terra firma of this place, uh, just about 20 miles from the Air Force Academy in Colorado Springs, Colorado, in the in the trees and in the rock formations, I mean, you could feel like the emanating spirit of the of the Almighty, of the Creator of everything, and uh, and 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 it gave me a two day recharge. And and what it did, Joe, is it enabled me to get uh, outside the day to day grind just for uh, really a couple of days and think in terms of a little bit bigger picture of what we want to accomplish here on the Daily Show as well as on the evening show. And so that being said, number one, uh, we, I wrote down, uh, I made a note here, uh, to cover Ezekiel. Now let's talk quickly about Gon Shimura. Uh, Gon Shimura joined myself, uh, honeybee, uh, Liberty columnist, uh, Anthony Cadorniga, uh, and, uh, the four of us, uh, uh, hung out together at red pill expo. Gons came in from California by himself and uh, and he was he was he's, he rolls a really tight little media uh, rig too. He, he's got a, a, a he's he's set up with lav mics and a and a self a real pro selfie stick. And he's able to pull great interviews just just as a one man operation. So it was really fascinating to watch Gon's work. But uh, but uh, we had a conversation the last night uh, Red Pill, of Red Pill Expo uh, uh, offline. I was still in Spokane. Gon's was back in in his home in Orange County, California. And he has agreed to join us, Joe, uh, to do an actual series here on The Daily Show. And, and we need to get with Gons offline and determine, you know, how many episodes, how many shows we want to do and how we want to break it up so that it's so that we can tell this story, so that we can attempt to answer this huge question that you just dropped on all of our listeners. Is America Mystery Babylon? It is a question that I have toyed with, studied, considered going back to day one, minute one of the Hagman report over seven years ago. And so Gons, uh, Joe, is, is really, really becoming, I think you and I can agree that on a personal level, he's really becoming a friend. I, I, I can't say enough about him. I really like the guy. And I know you do too. 
so just a, a tease to our listeners, uh, uh, Joe and I are going to tackle this issue, and we'll bring in we'll bring in a number of uh, of of individuals for commentary. I, I I would suspect that Pastor Mike Spalding uh, might need to get in on this conversation, and perhaps Bill Solace or Doctor Bill Warner may need to check in also. Um, and then Joe, quickly, if I may, uh, just I'll take uh, three minutes probably to go over some things quickly, but these are all really relevant here this morning. First. Uh, my Twitter feed, at Robertson John. If you haven't done so yet, listeners, go check out my Twitter feed from yesterday because I actually got to the Denver airport half an hour earlier than I needed to, which, is, which by the way, in that huge airport is two full hours before your flight. So I got there really early yesterday so that I could do some quick reports and show people the optics at that airport, everything from Lucifer, the uh, the horse that that demonic Mustang horse out in front of the airport, which used to be uh, known as Anubis. Uh, yes. So keep that in noted because we'll talk about that later. We will, and uh, and then I have also got uh, a video that uh, that praise God is closing in on six thousand views, um, and it simply demonstrates. Uh, when we listen to guys like Stelter and when they ask questions, well, why is this a moment we should be concerned about? I'll tell you why. Because for some reason, people at a place like the Denver airport several years back hired these artists. The one who built the horse, by the way, got killed by his own creation. Uh, uh, but we'll do it. We'll, we'll unpack that later. Uh, go to my Twitter feed. You'll just take take five minutes. You're going to want to see these optics. I, I, I took a little extra time to do some independent reporting yesterday for the Hagman Report. Uh, moving on, um, Honeybee uh, had a great conversation with Melissa last night, and uh, while Doug and Joe are at the True Legends Conference uh, in Branson, Missouri, uh, Honeybee has actually agreed to join uh, me uh, uh, here at the studio, and so we will have Honeybee as a guest co-host for, for at least two broadcast nights, but I think, Joe, it might even be three. And one of the things that we're going to do that's going to be really exciting is we're going to uh, conduct a roundtable one of those nights where we will have the filmmakers from Kids, Inc., An Open Secret, A Child's Voice, and um, I always forget the, the name of the last film. It, it, uh, it's made by two filmmakers, Tom and Jared, and it came out a year ago. Uh, Detestable. That's the name of the film. So A Child's Voice, An Open Secret, Kids, Inc., and Detestable. All four of these films made outside the Hollywood system with a lot of pressure put on these filmmakers uh, by Hollywood not to get this content created. So while Honeybee is in studio, we're going to do a roundtable and give all of our listeners a really sharp inside Hollywood perspective or a Hollywood-centric perspective on how these renegade filmmakers made these films that that at, at, at their heart are designed to defend uh, the defenseless. Uh, moving on quickly, Red Pill Expo, just a quick note on that. Uh, it was two weeks ago this last weekend. Uh, Tech Eric has been working very diligently to convert all of the files uh, from the PC world over into the Mac world so that we can push them out uh, from the studio. So we're going to begin running content. Uh, we'll run an interview every night or every other night uh, from Red Pill Expo. And those interviews were conducted either by uh, Honeybee, Melissa Zacharia, or myself. And we got to give a tip of the hat, of course, to Anthony Cadorniga, who handled the, all the camera work. And, and Joe, you know that these, these two individuals are such a blessing to us. Honeybee comes in from Boston. Anthony comes in from Raleigh. And both of them just absolutely work their butts off. Two yeah. more quick pieces of news, Joe, and I'll hand it directly back to you. Uh, Keith Hansen, 
uh, right before, uh, in fact, I was two minutes late onto the show today because I got a really uh, positive, uh, uh, quick uh, a piece of news from Keith Hansen. And, th- and this is the kind of stuff that we need to celebrate, listeners. Uh, one of the things I believe that separates conservatives from the average uh, reprobate progressive leftist is that the, is that conservatives support one another in our successes. When I see Joe Hagman succeed at something, I want to put my arm around him and say, good job, buddy. You rocked it. You, 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 you took your ups, you swung the bat, you knocked one out of the park, and you ribbied three of us around the bases. And that's the kind of attitude that you should always look for, listeners. When you're working with somebody, if you're going to uh, start a Bible study or a, or, or a, or a men's group or, or whatever your project uh, palette may be, always make sure that you align yourself with people who celebrate your success. You don't want to be around the type of people who try to take away from your success through uh, through suspicion or through suggestion of, uh, you know, it's not what you know, it's who you know, or nepotism or anything like that. You want to be around people who celebrate successes. And that being said, Keith had a great success over the weekend. Uh, he was the keynote uh, speaker at the Coalition of New Hampshire Taxpayers. Uh, over the weekend. Now, this is an interesting organization, Joe. It's CNHT, CNHT.org, Coalition of New Hampshire Taxpayers. Uh, it's run by Ed Nail. Uh, and he, uh, Ed is an interesting guy. It's N-A-I-L-E. So I'm giving this to listeners so they can do a little homework. Ed Nail, Joe, uh, is much like your father and yourself. He is a fraud investigator. That's that's what he did, does as a profession. Uh, in addition to being the head of the coalition uh, of New Hampshire taxpayers, Joe Ed Nail alone, just since 2016, has uncovered and created dossiers on uh, 5,400 fraudulent voters in the state of New Hampshire. Now that's the that's the the second primary state after the Iowa caucus in general election years. Uh, it is uh, considered a political hardball state, and this single individual, Ed Nail. Over 5,400 individuals, and he's got courtroom-ready proof that these uh, people uh, voted uh, early and voted often. And in many cases, uh, these people also managed to vote from the grave. So so Keith Hansen uh, spoke at this conference over the weekend, knocked it out of the park. It was a, it was a picnic-style thing. It was very well attended. Last piece of news, uh, our other uh, really dear friend of the Hagman Report, Craig Sawman Sawyer, vetsforchildrescue.org. That's the numeral for childrescue.org. Number one, Craig has been out of the country. Uh, he and his team in the post-Tucson era here have gone tactical again. Uh, the, the, a number of arrests have been made. You can tr- you can check his Twitter feed for the most recent updates, Joe, but of course that's at Craig R. Sawyer, S-A-W-Y-E-R. Uh, they nailed... A, get this, they were in a foreign country. I'm not going to say which one. Uh, Craig can do that. But they were what they did is they were setting up stings for American sex tourists. Now, without getting into the weeds, Joe, bottom line, there are not hundreds, not thousands, but tens of thousands of Americans who travel to places like Bangkok, Thailand, uh, and other areas in uh, primarily in Southeast Asia. And what do they go there for? To have sex with 11 and 12 year old little girls. And 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 that's for child rescue in uh, conjunction with the local law enforcement uh, in a Southeast Asian country. Just over the weekend, took down 
a father of two has two daughters himself who fell for the sting operation and was arrested by local authorities for leaving his wife and two daughters at the hotel in an, in an attempt to go and engage in sex with a minor, in this case, a 12-year-old girl. So uh, that's for Child Rescue. Uh, they didn't take a single second to lick any perceived wounds from the whole Tucson thing. Uh, they jumped uh, on a plane, and they are, again, kicking indoors and cuffing people up. And the other thing I want to say quickly about uh, Craig Sawyer is – uh, the uh, information I just received right before we went uh, on air, and that is that Michael Meyer, uh, who uh, infamously landed on the national scene here in the new media three weeks ago as the uh, head of Vets on Patrol, Vets on Patrol, of course, being the organization that lied, let me be very clear, lied to Craig Sawyer and Vets for Child Rescue uh, and in, embroiled them in what with the, in what they perceive to be the Tucson Police Department not doing their job again, another lie. Uh, uh, the 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 individual, the single man Joe, who managed to flip a huge portion of the new media uh, on its backside for a couple of days through the social media maelstrom that the whole Tucson hashtag backyard brawl created. He is currently cooling his heels in the Pima County Adult Detention Center. Now, I just got a text from Craig a moment or two ago, and the text says uh, that uh, he is currently being held on felony trespassing charges. However, uh, he, uh, through the entire course of hashtag Backyard Brawl, for all of the listeners who were misled by this guy, who said that there were children being raped in this bunker and that whole crazy story, Joe, it, while he was doing all that Facebook live streaming and while he was calling on veterans to grab their dogs and their ARs and their wives and kids and, and, and foment a Bundy Ranch style uh, 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 scene down on the I-19 corridor, this guy has been on the run from not one, not two, but three ongoing investigations. So the police have been looking for this guy, and guess what? Hashtag backyard brawl. <laughs> the police found him. So as we speak in real time, Michael Meyer, head of Vets on Patrol, uh, currently incarcerated at the Pima County Adult Detention Center. Very interesting news. And, John, uh, going back to a few things, one, the the fraudulent voting numbers. When you mentioned uh, the the amount of people who voted for Trump, roughly 63 million, and it's always used as a talking point by the left that Hillary Clinton got more voters, than, uh, more votes than President Trump did. And I don't believe that for a second. I believe that what that number represents is accumulation of of voting voter fraud throughout all 50 states when you look at the map of the number of county counties that president trump won it, it's it's like a 90 uh what he he won uh i forget how many counties there are i forget the exact number there's over three thousand. it's less than 3200 yeah, i believe it's, it's, I think like it's like 30 3100 and change or something like yeah, that 3183 he he won uh uh three thousand of those counties he had if you look at the the a map, a picture of the what counties Trump won in red versus the counties Hillary Clinton won in blue, there's no way she won the popular vote. There is no way in hell she even came close. 
I believe that, you know, a lot, I, I believe about half of those votes are probably fraud uh, one way or another. Either it's illegals voting uh, or voting for dead people, putting dead people uh, on the voter rolls, things like that. Uh, you know, stuffing ballot would boxes. This, now, would that include Michael Moore? Yeah. Yeah, it would, but it's uh, you know, the the there's no way she got that many votes, and, and we mentioned at the beginning of the show they're teasing a, a Hillary Clinton run for 2020, which would just be a disaster, a train wreck, and a joke, just proving that the left never learns uh, from their mistakes. But I wanted to also talk about this. You mentioned the walk the walk away movement, and I have a great commentary up here, and I think it's from this video. I'm going to read this whole thing. And it's a uh, hashtag walk away campaign. Why I left uh, liberal being a liberal and bear with me here. It says this. This is really good. The left has decided that the solution to the problem of race relations in America is more racism. The left has decided that attacking, insulting and de dehumanizing one group of people elevates another. The left now believe that there are no boundaries when telling lies, omitting the truth or misrepresenting the facts when telling the news because their ends justify their means. The left has now decided that its point of view is the only acceptable one and that suppressing, censoring, and banning open debate is virtuous and progressive. The Democratic Party has adopted a delirious belief system, happily and without skepticism, separating people into groups based off of identity, then organizing them into camps of victims and oppressors. If you are yes. a person of color, LGBT, a woman, or an American immigrant, the Democratic Party wants you to know that you are a victim and destined to stay that way. They will insist that you are a victim, doomed to exist in a system that is rigged against you, that you are a victim of systematic oppression, that you are a victim of your own circumstances, that no amount of hard work or motivation... Uh, or action will ever allow you to overcome your victimhood or the privilege of those around you. This is the Democratic Party's greatest and most insidious lie. If you are a minority in America today, the left-wing politicians and the left-wing media don't ever want you to discover this lie. This is so they bombard us with stories designated to reinforce this narrative that you are in danger, that you cannot succeed. They manipulate your fears and concerns by telling you that you are disadvantaged, disempowered, and disposable to everyone except to them. They will tell you that you need them. They will tell you that you are only safe under their supervision. They will promise to liberate you from all that chains you, and then they will do nothing for you. Once upon a time, I was a liberal, but liberalism has changed, and I will not be part of an ideology or political party that represents everything that contradicts the values of unity, equal opportunity, personal empowerment, compassion, and love. And so I am walking away. I encourage you to do the same. It's one thing to break the physical shackles that restrain one's physical freedom, but it's another thing to break the shackles that restrain intellectual freedom, freedom of conscience, and freedom of speech. Real political power comes from the individual, not from the party. Although many seem very hard to believe, uh, individuals who are respectful, intelligent, and articulate, like Brandon Straka, who can express genuine issues and concerns, are the ones who can get things done and the ones who can build bridges. Mob-style, unintelligent, zombie-like groups think is counterproductive. Submitting unconditionally, unquestioningly to the political party is the civic duty and a lazy man's exercise of his fundamental First Amendment rights. The same party 
that supported the physical shackles of the 19th century continues to, to support the intellectual shackles of today. But luckily, some no longer want to be shackled. They are deciding to put principle before party. They're deciding to put country before party. They're walking away from the poison political party. It's time to walk away. And I think that's from the YouTube video that uh, hashtag walk away campaign why I left uh, the liberal left. But that's uh, such a well written, uh, well articulated piece. Let me tell you something, Joe. Brandon, uh, it, so his name looks like Straka, S-T-R-A-K-A. It's actually pronounced Straka. I did speak with him on the phone uh, right before I left for Colorado. Now, he's got 51,000 followers on Twitter, uh, and he um, – uh, you can find him at U.S. Minority, at U.S. Minority on Twitter. Uh, but, Joe, this walk away uh, 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 campaign is is so successful because – what, what a large percentage of the American population is figuring out, and I'm so glad that you uh, shared that commentary because my dad and I, uh, best, one of the best parts about you know, getting on a plane and flying across the country for two days is that, is that I get to spend some quality time with my dad. And for our listeners who don't know, my, my dad, John Robertson Sr., a very successful entrepreneur in his own right, he founded Celebration Concerts uh, in the early 1980s and then the, the enormous uh, Spirit West Coast a three-day Christian music festival uh, in Del Mar, down in Southern California, and at Laguna Seca in Monterey County in Northern California. Uh, so my dad, I always love to get some one-on-one time with him because we, because I'll tell you what, we talk politics just like you and your dad do, Joe. And and my dad's uh, uh, word of advice for me, uh, uh, what he thought was important and we should talk about on the show over the next couple of weeks, is this exact divide and conquer strategy of victimization and victimhood. And, and this is, this is my quick thought on it and Joe, I'll hand it back to you. Uh, okay. They, they, they separate out. We know that, that when a predator wants to take down a gazelle or a zebra or something like that, what, what is, what does the lion or the hyena get? They get the person that's out on the periphery. The weakest. Yeah. The slowest, the weakest. They, that's right. They get they they call the herd. They get the slowest and the weakest. Now, I'm going to take that and extrapolate that to a number of the DNC, Antifa, by any means necessary ilk who have resorted to uh, the race card, uh, the 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 bigotry card, the homophobe card, etc. And they've resulted to name calling. And as we saw in the streets of Portland over the Fourth of July. They resort to violence, and let's be honest, Antifa got their butts kicked. So, so here's here's how this works. This is very important. If many of you, and I'm speaking, I'm not admonishing right now. I'm speaking to the man in the mirror first and foremost. Victim, victimhood. What, what Larry Elder, uh, the the host of the Larry Elder Show, famously termed 20 years ago being a victocrat, which is the combination of a victim and an aristocrat. So, so turning your victimhood into almost like a royal title, becoming a victocrat. The way that Satan uses this is so insidious because he separates you from where you're supposed to be uh, one of God's one of God's sheep, okay? You're, you're supposed to be under the, the tutelage and the protection of the good shepherd, and that is, of course, the Lord God Almighty. But what Satan does is he separates you. He gets you to the outside of the herd, and one of the main ways he does it 
is through the concept of victimization. And the Democrats have learned how to, as you said, Joe, weaponize this so that people become paralyzed. They become impotent. They are worthless in the fight for uh, the republic, in the fight for uh, for the, the patriotic duty to preserve the Constitution and the documents. Uh, we saw last week Facebook declaring the Declaration of Independence hate speech. I mean, this is the moment we're in. Now, there's an interesting thing about, about this victim mentality. There are a lot of our listeners out there who have a legitimate reason to feel that they were at some time in their life a victim. They may have been a victim of, of some poor parenting. Maybe, maybe, you know, maybe the old man wasn't really there for them, so to speak. Maybe they've been a victim of some, uh, some sexism uh, uh, in the job place or even some sexual discrimination or, or sexual harassment. It's, a, it, it's, it's misused often, but it's also a real, a real issue too. There's a lot of different things, Joe, that people can legitimately say – I was a victim of this. But here's the trick. When you get 5, 10, 20 years down the road from that victimization moment, you need to exercise what we're taught in the Gospels. And this is how it works. This is what's so uh, so incredible about this. The way to break through that victimhood, that victimized mentality that's, that's a, a primary weapon that Satan uses is to forgive. It's, it, it, Jesus himself said, you must forgive others so that I may forgive you to the father. So even as our intercessor, Jesus himself said, you've got to forgive. And and the reason he did that, Joe, is because forgiveness to those who you feel placed you in a position of the victim, that is the first step in, in having that massive anchor chain cut from your ankle. And I'll tell you what, listeners, it's a whole lot easier to move forward when you're not dragging that big chain behind you. So if you're living in a perpetual state of, well, I, my life didn't go the way I wanted it because of fill in the blank, uh, as Jesus himself said, by, by, by forgiving, and, and it's, a, it's a mandate. He said, you must forgive others so that I can forgive you to the Father. In so doing, you're taking the first step of breaking that chokehold of victimization. And again, Satan uses it. And, and I'm sorry, but the DNC is, uh, is Satan's uh, political uh, apparatus. Yeah. And, you know, uh, this, this, um, this debate in this country, uh, the, the socialism versus communism. I'm reading comments on this uh, message board, people arguing about, uh, you know, America's already a socialist, communist country. Uh, look at public schools, social security, insurance, welfare, government health insurance, etc. You are all retards and too stupid to realize America has been socialist since the 1930s. And I see a, a response to that saying, well, you know, you're, you're partially right. We have uh, liberal ideals that have gotten through that are socialist in nature. Uh, and we see this battle, this socialism versus communist battle. And the whole reason I brought this up is because the 28-year-old uh, socialist Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez was on The View. And there's a 12-minute video, uh, if you can suffer through the, the gaggling hyenas of The View for 12 minutes uh, of an interview that, that she... Uh, is on here where they are espousing the virtues of communism and socialism while putting America and the American values down. And I hear the outro music playing. I can't believe we're out of time already. But these people, again, going back to last week and the week before that, the newspaper shooting and the media freaking out about being called the enemy of the American people. If you're promoting socialism and communism 
and denouncing the Constitution and America, you are the enemy of the American people. It's as simple as that. Our sponsor, simplycleanfoods.net. Use promo code SIMPLYCLEAN. I'm going to make a note right here on my desk, not on my paper, on the desk. On the desk, we're going to do the Simply Clean reads at the beginning and at the end of each show so we don't wait so late to do them. But go to Simply Clean Foods, all your storable survival food needs. Use promo code SIMPLYCLEAN. We'll see you tomorrow. The Hagman Daily Show is brought to you by The Hagman Report. Tune in to The Hagman Report weekdays, 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time. For more information, go to HagmanReport.com. That's HagmanReport.com.